Welcome to Camera Ready and Able, the podcast that explores the intersection of media change and personal growth. I'm your host, Barbara Barna Abel, and my calling is to help you tap into your superpowers to thrive on camera and in life, and to make an impact on the world. This episode is brought to you by the phrase, Lights, Camera, Cash, which is the name of Nicole Sellers' podcast dedicated to helping people turn their creativity and charisma into a money-making machine. Nicole is a host, actor, certified coach, and founder of TV Hosting Academy, and was kind enough to have me on her podcast recently to discuss mastering auditions and million dollar deals, secrets to becoming a top paid host and building your brand in big network television. We went deep into it, including knowing your value and how to market yourself in a way that puts your value front and center. It was a fun and productive conversation, so I am sharing it with you here. I hope you enjoy. Welcome to Lights, Camera, Cash, the podcast where creativity meets cash flow. I'm your host, Nicole Sellers, and I'm here to help you unleash the superstar within and turn your creativity and charisma into a money-making machine. Today, I am so excited to welcome Barbara Barna-Abel. Barbara is a multimedia communications coach, creative advisor, talent and executive development expert, and the host of the award-winning podcast, Camera Ready and Able, exploring the intersections of media, change, and personal growth. Barbara's calling is to help you tap into your superpowers to thrive on camera and in life, and to make an impact on the world. Barbara knows that winning the lottery is a long shot, but your success is not. Hello, Barbara. Welcome. Thank you for joining me today. How are you? Great, Nicole. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm so excited. Well, I'm a big fan of your podcast, so thank you for coming on mine. I appreciate oh, it. Well, thank you for being on Camera Ready and Able, and thanks for listening. Well, you know, our hosts, experts, influencers, everyone who listens in on this podcast, they want to know a lot about not just how to become discoverable and also the marketing aspect of building their brand and business, but also auditioning. You were a casting director for over 100 projects in the unscripted reality TV space. Walk us through a little bit of that process and what you really discovered while you were auditioning all of these big hosts like Chrissy Teigen, right? Amy Schumer, Jeff Probst. Walk us through your your history with that. Wow, that is actually a really big question. Well, one of the first things I I like to tell people is that the audition begins long before, you know, we press record on the camera. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's maybe not understood by everyone. So the first time you make contact is when the audition begins. That's the same process in a job interview, by the way. You know, the, the... the job interview begins before you're told you have an interview. And so I often say to people, it's not always an an audition, even if you think it's just coffee. And this has come up in my life, in the lives of my students and clients. You know, you go in for a meeting and this is a very typical scenario, at least pre-pandemic, is you would go in for a meeting. This should happen at E all the time back in the day. You go in for a meeting and you're just chatting. They're like, I like it, do you have a sec? And they'd walk you down the studio and hand you some coffee and say, we just like to throw you on camera. So that really does happen. But also just that coffee or meeting someone is often, again, part of the process. But so it is to understand the first email, when you're walking in the door, when you are saying hello to a security guard, if you're checking into a building, when you're chit-chatting before stuff starts, it's all part of the process. And especially in our space, in the unscripted and alternative and documentary space, because who you are matters. You are not 
a character. You may be playing an aspect of your personality, but you are you and it's all personality driven. So that's one thing. We're also looking at like who you are. Like, do I want to, I always say this, you know, be in a van on a bumpy road, you know, shooting on location with you for 13 weeks. Are you a good collaborator? Do you have a sense of humor? All those things go into it beyond the skills. So that's maybe the number one thing. And then it's interesting when you talk about, you know, like Chrissy Teigen or an Amy Schumer, even a Jeff Probst back in the day, but like Chrissy and, and um, Amy, I mean, they're such singular talents who st stay true to who they are. Yeah. You know, and, and Chrissy worked so hard to get where she is. Yeah. And I and love they, that you brought up Chrissy's and, and I don't mean to interrupt, but I love that you bring her up because you have talked about her in the past about being such a hard worker and it takes so much more than just talent to make it in this business, right? Yes. So it's not just knowing your lines or showing up. It's the audition process. It's creating relationships, building relationships, growing relationships and being professional, which I think a lot of people don't talk about the professional aspect of it because you have to think of yourself as a brand and a business. You're not just a host for hire anymore. You need to be everything. So let's walk back to not just where you started, but the the re the evolution of hosting has changed the game so much. Everything has changed so much. What have you seen over the past few years, even since the pandemic, that you're seeing hosts have to do a lot more producing, writing, hosting, creating content? What are some of the things that you're seeing on your end? Wow. Great question. One of the, the first things that popped in my head is marketing. There is such an expectation. Not only are you marketing yourself as um, a brand or a small business, but also the expectation that you will be marketing the project, that you are part of something bigger. And you know, it's funny, just as I'm saying, that's like you, talent always has been part of something bigger. And I think that's a mistake too, that it's easy to forget that you look at your, your little piece of the puzzle. And so sometimes, especially as a host, you have to understand how you fit into the larger project and how does that project or that show fit into the schedule of the network of that platform, that network or platform's business goals. What does its parent company have going on? How do you fit into that? And so it's really understanding that it, you know, it's not, it doesn't work in isolation. I don't know why this is also popping into my head too, is that it's not a one-on-one. -on -one. one, I always want people to understand their strengths and their value. And I talk about this all the time is really focus on the value that you bring mm -hmm. and um, play to your strengths. But it's also to understand, you know, where you have power and where you do not. And that yeah. you are, you know, something, part of something bigger. The other I was going to say now is just, it's out of everybody's hands, but I meant the economics have shifted yeah. so completely. I don't yeah. know what the answer is to that, but when you ask like pre-pandemic, I mean, even then, I mean, the big shift was from um, broadcast to cable, mm -hmm. then cable to digital. And now, you know, digital, we're in like a streaming world and the social world. And so there are incredible opportunities in places that didn't exist before. The biggest shift obviously is that um, there's no barrier to access in a way. And that's happened ever since YouTube launched in 2006 is like, this is amazing. Anybody can put their content out there. So now this becomes a whole different question. Succeed has become something different to earn a living has become something very, very different. And the competition, obviously, because yeah. now you have 
celebrities and people who wouldn't have considered these opportunities before um, making it really a, a part of their entire business plan. Yeah. And I want to go back to skills and superpowers because that's your your thing. You talk about superpowers all the time. And that's your gift is really helping hosts un uncover their superpowers. And I think a lot of times as on-camera talent, they don't think, or at least I haven't, about how many skills I do have. And I think coming on from your perspective, bringing out certain skills on camera, but also behind the camera is so super important. What are some of the skills or superpowers that you see as kind of a common theme with the most successful hosts that you've seen? Mm. Well, just to acknowledge before I answer that specifically. So we just want to be clear. So because skills matter, but the ability to communicate and then the amazing hosting skills that you know, you teach and make such a difference with, um, that's an expectation. So it is, in, it is absolutely important to master those things, right? And how to speak to a camera, how to communicate through a lens, read a teleprompter, break down copy, do a stand-up, do an interview, uh, how to co-host, how to be on a panel, how to moderate a panel. All these things are enormously important and it's the hard skills that get you in the door. So that's an expectation. You have to meet that expectation. I believe it's the soft skills that get you hired and that help you stay in the job. And so that's really the question that you're asking. Okay, to me, a host is a leadership position. And I don't think that many hosts go into it thinking about it. Many um, may have it as a you know intuitive thing or just an instinctual setting they have, but to really think that way, because I think a lot of hosts almost go into it as passive, like give me a script, I say it, I do yeah. my lines, I go home. Mm -hmm. Truly, if you're the face of something, you're in a leadership position and um, I feel talent who understand that, embrace that, tend to have much longer careers mm -hmm. um, and why that matters and why you're lifting everybody around you, whether that's other talent, but also the crew, also even you know executives and understanding how hard everybody's working, that it, this is a lot goes into making whatever you're working on. So it's leadership, but it's also not under uh, valuing really important skills like being a good collaborator. Yeah. Um, being um, a good listener, um, you know, being this, uh, the adult on the set or being, you know, sort of mature and easygoing. There's so many things that go into this that um, are the ability to bring out the best in other people. There are just lots of attributes. I love that. I love that. that. Bringing the best out of other people, because that is such a skill set to have yeah. to conduct a very in effective interview. So it's the active listening, of course, but it's also mm -hmm. making people feel comfortable and taking on that leadership role of making them feel comfortable. So maybe it is that chit chit chat before the interview. Um, but I love that you said that because that is such a learned skill, uh, making people feel comfortable on a set and also that collaborative process. So, so when you start to see talent and you see more and more people become successful and they kind of stand that test of time, they encompass a lot of those different skill sets. Am I right? Yes, but I would actually want to go back to the audition process. Yeah. Because I've seen people in the co-host situation not get jobs because, well, first of all, let me be clear. There's a huge difference between getting a job and doing the job. And we mm -hmm. test for different things in the audition process than the actual doing of the job for a variety of reasons. And one of them, going back to this whole point of this conversation, is we're looking for emotional maturity and do you have the bandwidth to handle the uh, pressures and the stresses and the responsibility 
that go with getting hired to do this job. So that's a really, really important thing for people to think about. So then going back to this, it's like, if you're going into a co-host or chemistry test situation, your ability to take your ego out for a second and not see the person you're testing with as competition, but understand that one of the things the producers are looking for is do you put the production first mm -hmm. or are you putting yourself first? That's a delicate balance. How I'm not can seeing you tell? How can you tell from your point of view who's putting themselves first or who's putting the show first? Because I can tell you from a talent perspective, a lot of times when they first start out, it's how do I look? How do I sound? What do I say? And it's all about them. But the second you see somebody actually putting the production first and maybe feeding off each other and trying to get, let's say, you know, a certain sound bite out or trying to get a, to some sort of a goal that you're reaching together as co-hosts, that's, that's a difficult thing to do. But are you able to tell from your perspective who's putting themselves first and who's not? Absolutely. But it's everything you just said. So, um, I mean, even going back to when I was casting Queer Eye for the Straight Guy, and that's over 20 years ago now, mm -hmm. you have to realize like we saw people in panels. Yeah. We saw them in groups of, you know, let, let's get all the culture guys in together, a bunch of them, and et cetera, and, you know, and the, you know, fashion and, and beauty and, and cooking. So they're together and you would watch, I mean, there's a reason why Carson and Ted are still, you know, have massive careers to this day because on those panels, time and time again, they would make the people around them look good. They were delightful and funny and witty, but yeah. they would turn to somebody else and either an example for you would be is to ask a question of someone else that allows that other person to shine in that moment. Yeah. Sometimes not taking the spotlight and going for the easy joke or easy me, me, but realizing, you know, if I lob a softball over to that person and they hit it out of the park, that would make the show so much better than if I just said it all by myself. Um, sometimes it's acknowledging that someone's been a little bit quiet. We haven't heard from you in a second, but what do you think? When someone asks you a question, turning it around and letting them answer the question, they're just so many different ways. Sometimes it can actually be in a panel situation, um, you know, to applaud or do something to acknowledge like that was really smart. Or even if it's just the two of you to, you know, to actually say, okay, that's one of the funniest things I've ever heard, or you're so great. Just ways of constantly letting the person next to you look really, really good. And you can, by the way, can also tell when um, people are competing. And it's interesting to watch. Um, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but often I've seen different, you know, types of competition depending, um, you know, men or women in these situations and how people compete that can be somewhat entertaining from the uh, casting and production side. Um, the other thing too, that's worth bringing up is also because it's an important part of catching yourself is when you start to feel intimidated. Mm. Because I've been in callback situations where by the time we get to callbacks, we have celebrities. And so we have talent there who's just like, oh my God, I can't believe that so-and-so is here. And now you've been put together in a panel situation or a group situation, how to hold your own. Because again, a lot of emotions are going to bubble up. And so some people either retreat and wind up saying nothing um, and others overcompensate, right? And, mm. you know, get too loud or too big or too, because they want to like show I can hold my own, but then you start okay. to drown the other person. So I hope I'm not digressing, but there are just so many ways that it's like, it's a really powerful thing to, you know, lift everybody. That's such a great point that, a lot of us think about, are we overcompensating or are we not saying too much? Are we saying too little? 
And that can be so distracting for talent because you're trying to hold your own, but in the same sense, you know, not look like you're trying to do too much. So finding that balance, first of all, it's the practice, right? Yes. So even if it's, even if you're not in that situation on a regular basis, even just training with a friend or, or grabbing another host friend of yours, hey, let's practice this together or let's, you know, throw a concept or a show together. Do you find that the more successful hosts that you see, they're creating a lot of their own content? And if so, like what's some of that content that you've seen that you find to be, you know, really creative or something that sta- that will stand the test of time. Any anything that sticks out. Well, just as you were asking that, I was you know starting to make that point in my head. I was going, you know, everyone should have a podcast, whether not for podcast glory necessarily, but it's the same thing with doing Instagram Live. So just to answer your questions, like there are so many wonderful, easy outlets to gain experience right, right. now. And yeah. to you know, test the waters that are sort of low risk. So um, yes, to answer the question, the most uh, successful, depending on how we want to define that, but you know, people who are making money, moving forward in their careers, developing relationships, growing, etc., are people who are consistently creating some kind of content right. and whatever that is. And so you know, whether that's Instagram Lives, Instagram Stories, creating podcasts. Uh, whatever anyone's putting together and we can actually look at how many things have um, uh, become television shows or podcasts or bigger uh, concepts because they started as something small Mm -hmm. people developed and they got good at that and then they found partners to help them take it to the next level. I think it's so important to bring that up too because you're never going to start really, really big. You have to start somewhere and I think a lot of us as talent, they we always try to be perfect, or at least we have this misconception that we all have to be perfect. And I, I say flat out, if ever I'm posting something online, I'm like, this is not going to be perfect. It's a, you know, it's a work in progress and that's okay. This is is all practice. You're so a thousand percent right. So this is where we stop and we ask ourselves because it's the challenge. What would, what would be the perfect version of that anyway? Mm, I know, but it's so such a subjective question for me personally. Oh, geez. For me personally, I see perfection as something that is that is very well produced in, in the sense of technology, something that I'm showcasing my best work in the sense of asking the right questions, making people feel comfortable, getting the answers out of people that I want my audience to, to learn from, um, having intention with whatever I'm creating. I don't like to just slap stuff together and then throw it up and say, oh, I hope this, you know, this sticks. I'm not looking to have anything go viral. Would that be nice? Sure. But I mean, for me personally, I think success comes in the form of financially making a living doing what I love to do. And that's why I created this show, because I feel that a lot of hosts and experts and people who want to do something creative, it's almost like they have to choose. Like, can we be creative or do we have to go get a steady job where we know that we're making some serious money or at least something that can sustain us? So I really want to squash that misconception of like the starving artist. I want people to be able to earn a really, really beautiful life and income doing what they love to do, which is being creative. So that's why I love what you do, because you've built such a wonderful business and brand around what you do. And you're helping hosts and experts in the process and now influencers because, of course, they have changed the game for everything. 
Um, so that's that's success for me, but I think it's different for everybody. Some people might have, you know, a different vision, like they want to be on a network. They might want to have their own, you know, TV show on HGTV one day. So I think for everybody it's different, but certainly it's it's being creative and getting paid for your work and being able to live a, a beautiful life of flexibility and freedom. Wait, I love that you actually took the conversation for per- from perfection to redefining success, because that's what I was going to say, because how often do you watch something else that you love or think is amazing and you describe it as perfect? Yeah. Very rarely you go, Oh my God, I, I loved that movie. It was perfect. I loved that show. It was perfect. Yeah. I love watching that anchor. They're perfect. Perfect. They're perfect. Right. No, it's not something that we actually value about other people. It's, it's just this pressure that we put on ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so you just naturally did the reframe that now makes it have value. You redefine what would be successful for me. And if you have a checklist and now it's become objective instead of subjective, well, I'm, you know, I'm hitting these points. It goes through mm-hmm. my filters. It's um, on brand for me. It's in alignment with my values. I'm delivering value, then it's now we're having a, you know, a relevant and helpful conversation. So that's exactly, you're exactly right. And amen to letting go of the starving artist, even though, yeah. I mean, um, I mean, such a, yeah. There's absolute- such a stigma about, uh, 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 there's so much stigma around talking about money. And I don't understand what the big deal is. And I don't, it's not, it's no secret that people need to earn a really good living, especially now more than ever. They need to support their families. They they need to, I mean, things have, I'm not even going to get into a money conversation or inflation conversation, but what I will say, people are working around the clock and, and people that I talk to, sometimes they have two or three jobs just to put food on the table, which is, yes. is terrifying to hear that. So I think especially for creatives, I want to squash that whole stigma of like, we can't talk about money because then it's taking away from the art of what we do, which is complete nonsense, complete nonsense. We deserve just as much as anybody else. And that's why I'm not going to talk about the, go into the strikes so much, but I think that, you know, when you see the strikes happening and you see actors going through, you know, standing on the picket lines and the writers as well, you realize these are families that can't provide for their children. These are parents that can't provide for their children or have health care or access to things that they should have, you know, that they get in a normal job or a nine to five job. Why can't they have it being a creative? It doesn't make sense to me. So it's my mission to really figure out how we can monetize the things that we have, the skill sets that we have. And I know a lot of times we talk about collaborating with brands, maybe doing some UGC content, maybe, you know, doing something different because things are changing so quickly. It's okay to pivot and change. We're still being creative. We're not selling out. We're just trying to earn a living doing what we love to do. So circling back to marketing and branding, because that's a lot of your expertise as well. What are you seeing working on the marketing and branding side for talent, especially? It could be not just demo reels, but websites and media kits and, you know, templates or for, to emails to, to talent agents or managers or networks. What have you seen work on the marketing and branding side? I'm going to always go back to the number one thing is understanding your value mm-hmm. and highlighting that. And um, Evan Shapiro, who I admire deeply, 
you know, he's, and I think he just did it today, but he's always putting out, you know, his diagrams. And the very simple one is, you know, what you're passionate about and what you do, who's the audience for that and who's willing to pay for it. Mm -hmm. And you're focusing on the intersection of that is step one. But two, so, because what you asked about delivery systems, which are all really, really important, and I'll come to that, but always begin with understanding what your value is. So if you have your skills and we're ex expecting that, but it's like, what do you do really, really well that other people need? And I think, again, it's, especially talent starting out, miss this detail. <laughs> so one, it's a competitive marketplace. So what, what is, what is the client or the person who's hiring you need? They need eyeballs or they need clicks or they need. And so you need to understand what do you do that helps them with that? And simply doing the job is not the answer to that question. So sometimes it may be because you have a certain skill set and you have other things or you have other successes or you did something that went viral once or um, not only do you have these skills, but I'm also really at ease um, on these other platforms like I'm, oh, you know, I'm crushing it on TikTok and not to get into a whole conversation about social media, but I meant like, what else do you do? Or I can write and I can edit, or um, I just really get what you do so well. And then I think of, you know, my dear friend, Cammie Crawford, who I love and adore, and she's, you know, the co-host on Catfish on MTV because she was a super fan. She's also a supermodel and, you know, a, a Sports Illustrated, you know, swimsuit model and, and amazingly successful in that space. But she's also a catfish super fan. There was nobody more qualified for that job than she is. And she let them know. I love and, that. And, and I'm curious, do you know how she pitched herself for that show? I th was I think it an audition or did she sell herself? It's a combination of those two. But I mean, wow. not being shy about, let me tell you, there is no one who knows more about this show than me. And then, in, by the way, being able to back that up. But um, so then when you're talking about like, how do we let people know about that? So um, one, you know, when you're cold, even cold pitching somebody, and by the way, understanding too, how many times it may take to develop that relationship with people, but even then is to actually in your pitch letter, you know, in a sentence or two, identify what you do so well that helps them and how you are in alignment in that way. Um, because you have some experience that's actually really, really going to help them. Um, the same thing is like on your website. I mean, I get pitched all the time, Nicole, from people who will be like, here's my stuff. And that's it. And wanting me to go find like um, the right opportunity for them where they fit. Yeah. Yeah, you have to hand. Going, you know, and so I was like, "Wow, I, I might miss the most important thing you have to say about yourself." So it's you know finding ways to say that. Sometimes too, if it's a little bit uncomfortable to toot your own horn, then you know what? Drop in some quotes from other people. You know, mm -hmm. like a client or a boss who loved you, and just and you could you know put it in a different font or a quote or some way that of attract you know sending my eye to that really wonderful information. I or like I, that idea of maybe throwing in some testimonials and making it very visual. Yes. And, yeah. Yeah. And finding yeah. ways. And making it easier for you to understand what they do, what they're good at, and why they're right for this particular job or project. That's like, because that's taking your job, making it so much easier instead of, like you said, just looking at a, a, a general hosting reel and trying to figure out where they fit. Like, that's not your job either. Like, try to like dig around and figure out where you fit. Like, you have to know where you fit. That's your responsibility as talent.
right? Not only, not only where you fit, but the value that you add. And to your point, it's like my job as a casting director is to see that potential in the talent, but it's not my client's responsibility. And so I have to then often, you know, sell it up. And if you've provided me with information that makes that easier or just information period that may not be accessible other places, that is the essence of marketing, by the way. I mean, so it's on us to all be uh, better at marketing. Um, so I think, you know, that part of it's really important too. Here's another one that gets completely glossed over. It's like, if you run a show or did something that hit a sales goal, um, you know, um, ratings, like, you know, when I joined the cast, ratings went up or it was our most successful quarter. Okay. Do you understand how valuable that is to the clients that you're talking to? That like is gold. That is gold. What you just said, Barbara, because hosts do not think that way. They yeah. don't think of themselves that way at all. So the fact that you just dropped that gem is like perfect for us because just looking beyond yourself, like looking beyond your skill sets and your talent, what did I do for the team as a whole? Value. That's value, value, value. Yes. Oh, I love that. That's amazing. What is one thing that talent could do today to make sure that their marketing materials are on par? Mm. I've learned this so much from Vinnie Potestivo. So it goes back to the question of discoverability, right? So you want to um, make yourself discoverable, but when you're putting everything together, you're always asking your question, yourself the question, what do I want as a result of this, right? So if I, when I'm putting together my reel, putting together my website, and I know I need these materials in order to get hired, you need to stop and ask yourself, oh, wait, you created these materials because they're marketing you for jobs. So I want to get hired as a result of this. Objectively step back and going, is this the best version of this to get me hired? So part is then attached to that is understanding where the industry is and what's happening now. So if I see a reel that's just a repetitive bunch of clips, it's not going to tell me that much anymore. It tells me that you can do the job, but it doesn't tell me necessarily what you're really good at. So to, you know, so there are ways of, um, you know, taking advantage of, um, graphics, editing tools, all sorts of apps in your phone that can make something so much more visually compelling and arresting. Um, are you throwing in those stats about like how awesome you are? Um, you know, anything like that, but also ask yourself, what is the result that I want? What action do I want people to take as a result of reading my thing? Um, looking at my website, watching my reel, have I made it easy for people? Can they just click somewhere and go do something? Am I leading them where I want them to go? Um, which is very different than the passive, here it is. Yeah. And I love that you brought that up, making it easier for you to click on a link or a media kit with the stats of the, the show that they were on, making it very easy for them to see you in that role and not have to imagine it or figure it out. You mentioned something that I think is really important as far as a hosting reel. In comparison to nowadays, we can just throw something, not throw something together, but produce something very quickly that's mm -hmm. very specific to the role that we are auditioning for. Which would you prefer? The hosting reel, which shows you in a few different capacities, or something very specific to the role that we are auditioning for? I want both. Yes. Okay. That's, that's <laughs> what I thought you were going to say. But, but having that, whatever it is, even if it's a minute of something sub-niche or very specialized to what you're auditioning for, helps you tremendously yes. with pitching us to the client. 
correct? Because they don't have to imagine it. They could see it. Yes. So if it's home shopping specifically. Yeah. I'm sorry to mean to talk over you. So a really great example is I think that everyone who works in news apparently wants to do a show about flipping houses. At least that's been in my experience, <laughs> Okay, um, which is wonderful, right? Because here are the things, you know, if you're coming from news, especially working in local news, that tells me so much about work ethic and skill set. So these are all tremendously in your favor. These are wonderful things, but the new, the delivery style, of working in news, whether you're a field reporter or an anchor, is completely different than the delivery style and how we shoot shows about flipping houses. My client's not gonna make the mental leap and say, I'm gonna take a risk yeah. and hire somebody I've never seen do this. Mm-hmm. And by the way, great story for anyone listening is you know this conversation I had with Shay Holland during the pandemic, and it came out in a conversation that we did on Instagram for hosts in LA. And I was like, how am I just learning in this conversation right now that you know how to wield power tools? She's like, what do you mean? And I was like, Shay, how many, how long have I known you? Anyway, she put a thing together, you know, now she has a show on HGTV. So that's a perfect example of this, but it happens all the time. So that to your point is like, I want to see your newsreel because it tells me a lot. And when you tell me how long you've been doing it and that you, you know, People in news work really, really hard. So that's so going in your favor. But just to really quickly show me, um, you know, 60 seconds, 90 seconds, get a sledgehammer, break a wall in your house. I don't care what it is. Yeah. But a big part of it is like, you know, put on jeans and a sweatshirt and go do something, you know, even if you're fake, even if you're doing a walk and talk through Home Depot, it just, it, now you've put me in the setting and I can, and we can see you doing this and it's going to show that you have range that you can deliver in a conversational style, which is completely different than how we deliver news copy. That's a perfect example. And it's happened a million gajillion times in my career. That's so great that you said that, that you want to see both. Cause I love that you're not discounting all the work that somebody has done in the past because it does all add up, especially in news, because that's an insane business. I, I was in it for a really long time. So yes, the work ethic is there, but also having something to show that you can do the job. I want to jump to something real quick before we wrap up our conversation. You and Sean Simone, also a casting director, have your own workshops as well for home shopping and brand. Yes. Talk to us a little bit, bit about that aspect of hosting, how it is so different, and why hosts should consider perhaps exploring a little bit more of the home shopping space right now because of the market? Well, first, there's still so much opportunity there and um, and growing. So that's one. Two, it's super fun. I mean, I love the space and they're really, really great people. But I, I mean, really, one of the reasons to explore it is because there's opportunity, one, in being a permanent host for an, uh, a shopping channel, of which there are multiple and they're global. Two, um, there's also the opportunity to be a guest host or guest rep and to get into that world. The platforms are all exploring more and more digital and streaming content, so they're uh, in growth mode. Um, Also working with brands. And so then there's so many ways of exploring working with brands that uh, people might not have thought of. And um, gosh, there's some really great examples, but one is parlaying you know, one thing into another thing. And I often think of Jill Martin, who I um, really admire and adore, but you know, she's doing deals and steals on the Today Show for a long, long time where she did those segments for free. 
before she ever got, I mean, seven years, a really long time. Anybody can Google the story, how long she did that for free, but she parlayed the Today Show Jill Martin into a seven figure business, including, you know, a, her own line on home shopping, um, doing events, representing brands in a variety of ways. And so you do those, some of the ways that you represent brands will be consumer facing and some of that's internal facing that people don't realize. And it's another thing I've coached a number of influencers for is let's say for a fashion week um, thing. So, you know, what we as consumers might see is that influencer running around, going to shows, doing interviews backstage, doing some standups or talking about street fashion. The part that uh, consumers don't see is that same person then creating internal content for that brand, maybe doing the speech that introduces the CEO to that exclusive dinner for 60 or 100 people. And uh, by the way, that's usually often the most nerve wracking thing I have to coach people for is to do the speech. Um, and um, and I've seen it with people in the food space, you know, create content. There's a lot of content created internally for big companies that and so there's a lot of potential there for big deals where you're not simply host, you know, hosting externally, but you may also be creating internal content which is tremendous. Yeah. And that, and that can be very, very lucrative working for companies doing internal videos. And I think a lot of times talent, they don't think outside the box. So Correct. they may be hosting, let's say a show or something for the brand, but they're not thinking in that 360 mindset of I could do this. I could also do that. So that brings me back to your point of knowing your value, knowing how to pitch yourself and articulating that value to the company. Yes, which also in the host space, I know that we need to go, but it's um, worth mentioning that um, it's valuable to take some commercial acting classes and potentially to look into having a commercial agent because a lot in the brand space comes through the commercial side, not the broadcast side. Mm -hmm. Yes. And, and so that includes uh, working with, you know, internally for a brand. Yep. And also having that improv experience. Very helpful. Absolutely. <laughs> I add storytelling to that. I, I've had to take a few improv classes. And although mortifying, coming out of news and jumping into an improv class, I was like, what am I doing? It was like, oh, you. so uncomfortable, so uncomfortable, but so necessary because it was the improv classes and just being in that environment that made me peel back those you know, super polished layers where that news just like, you know, ingrains in you. So jumping into, into an improv class after news, that was, that was one of the most uncomfortable things. But as we start to wrap up, where can everyone find you? You offer so many wonderful workshops and classes and coaching. So tell our listeners where they can find you. I am super easy to find. If you happen to be walking down the street in Brooklyn, you can't miss me. But also um, online via my website, ableintermedia.com. My podcast, Camera Ready and Able, the thriving Facebook group called Able Intermedia. Um, I'm still on X, but also <laughs> uh, formerly known as Twitter. Um, and it, um, Instagram, Barbara underscore Barna underscore Able. And I have those underscores, which I don't recommend to anyone, only because there is uh, a Belgian mystery writer who got there first. <laughs> And I was going to say, I thought that was very, um, very interesting that you threw in those underscores. I said, this is either really intentional or she couldn't get her full name. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Barbara, for coming and speaking with me. I really, really appreciate it. You're always a wealth of, of information. Oh, well, and we really, really appreciate you.
Thank you. J'adore you, Nicole, and everything that you do. Thank you. All right, we'll see you next time. Bye, everyone. Big thank you to Nicole for having me on Lights, Camera, Cash. You can catch her podcast on all the platforms and connect with Nicole at tvhostingacademy.com. And I want to thank you for listening. I love hearing how I can make the podcast better. So please shoot me a note via my website, ableintermedia.com to let me know your thoughts. And be sure to download my free ebook, 12 Tips for Success on Camera. And as always, please hit the subscribe button if you haven't already.